ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about. time for Mortgage Matters. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Uh, sometimes that clock just runs too slow. We've been sitting here for a while waiting for this show to start, and it's nice that it's finally underway. Welcome, Dan. <laughs> so glad to be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was falling asleep in my chair just waiting for for us to go live. Yeah. What's the weather like on the coast out there? It's nice. It's going to be a nice day everywhere, I think. Well, that's a great attitude. That should get you. That should get you halfway there anyway. What are you looking for? Need anything? Can I get you anything? Thought Need some water? Coffee? I dropped my pen. All right. All right. Good. Perfect. Yeah. Did you guys close the door on your way in? I think there was so. a there was a cyclist on his way out. Oh, it's had. There we go. <laughs> hey man, you gave us away. <laughs> All right. Well, lots been going on this week, huh, Dan? Yeah. Pretty exciting. Give you a minute to get all spread out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all kinds of stuff. You all ready? Yeah. You I noticed that our new neighborhood grocery store is just oh man making waves in the the small community of San Luis Obispo. I it's not really... a good way to come in and start conducting business. Right? Well, yeah, and <laughs> not a good. I don't know. I mean. I don't know a lot about the chain. I realize they're bigger than just here. This is really my first experience with um, Hagen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but regardless, there's been an awful lot of uh, community murmur about, um, you know, the prices are too high. The product isn't the same, blah, blah, blah. But the reality here is these guys uh, came in here and bought up some stores I think more or less because they had to, right? Are you under that impression? I don't know about had to, but they... From they, what I understand, Albertsons and Vons were basically accused to be a monopolistic and were encouraged to sell some stores. So Hagen, who's gathering up some market share, rapidly approaching their next monopoly, I guess, had to buy some of the stores. And now what you find is there's... In the wake? I mean, so far, the Los Osa store is the only one to close, right? Yeah, but first there were layoffs. That's what I was going to say. How well, many people lost their higher, pensions? First higher prices, then layoffs. Now, closing a full store. Lose your job, lose your pension. You know, many people are like, well, good. Put Albertsons back in. Well, it's not really that simple. And that guy, you know, some of the people that work there, worked there for a good long time. Now their jobs are gone. It's really an unfortunate thing. Um, I just thought that it would be awesome if Spencer's would take over that store. Wouldn't it be? I love my Morro Bay Spencer's. We had... Uh, it's a good store. In Slow here, next to the our San Luis Obispo office, we had um, what was Scolari's. Mm-hmm. I liked Scolari's. I loved Scolari's. Yeah, that was good. Turned into Albertsons, which was fine, I guess. Yeah. It's one of the more expensive Albertsons that I was used to. Interesting, because I could go over there, you know, to pick some things up on the way home. And the things that I buy in a Tascadero are just more expensive and slow. I guess that's because the rent's more. 
Um, but then that Albertsons went away and turned into Hagen. Um, whatever, it's fine. I'm getting used to change. Uh, but one of the managers of the Hagen store, we were like, wow, these prices are really expensive. And the gal actually told us, yeah, Hagen doesn't really have an appropriate distribution channel set up yet to bring uh, groceries to this store. So other than what's you know delivered directly from the manufacturer, um, we actually are having to overnight to the store. And that's just being passed through the price. So you should shop somewhere else until Hagen gets a Pacific Northwest distribution channel. And I'm like, <laughs> really? You opened a grocery store without knowing how to put groceries in it? Or without, I mean, obviously they know how. They just didn't have the infrastructure. So, I mean, in the great words of uh, Jeff Eccles, I, I'm just a state school kid. But when the manager <laughs> tells you <laughs> that the food that you're going to buy has been overnighted, I'm like, huh, there's other options around here. And so I feel like those stores, and there's one near my house in Tascadero too, they, they look like ghost towns. They're empty, empty. So and when you do have to just zip over there to get something, because you're certainly not going to go fill the basket there with those high prices. But when you zip over there to get something, um, boy, it's just uh, enjoying those express lines. Get right out of there. And you know what, too? Hagen, maybe not winning favor with many, gave away free bags. Really? Yep. And they said, shh. It's like trying to free sort of, plastic or paper, no, paper bag. bags. Just trying. They're to, not allowed to do that. Trying to kind of bribe us maybe to thinking that the new Hagen's all right. What? And I was like, you know, there's people in our town that are going to, I don't, I'll take your free bag. Um, when you I've got fry about a hundred paper bags at home when that you, you can have. Fry up taco <laughs> shells or something. It's nice to put those on a paper bag. Yeah, uh, there's a you few. Need some things. paper bags. Yeah, I'm going to bring you some paper I'm bags. I'm going to make my kid those Thanksgiving vests <laughs> sure he where you you taco shells. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And cookies. But you know when you make you that Thanksgiving up. vest with the you know where you cut the holes out in it out of the paper. You got to have that. <laughs> Can't make that out of the recycled bag. What else? Why else do we need a brown paper bag? I don't know. Drinking beer at the park? <laughs> huh? <laughs> so yeah, anyway, the I was I had a bunch of little things and of course I forgot my bag. And usually I have like a bunch of little people with me, so that's no problem. I just hand them each some groceries and we walk out, you know, to the truck. Well, I didn't have little people with me. I forgot a bag. I had like eight things. And the guy says, do you want a bag? And I'm like, oh, I guess. Just slips me a bag. Like, it, I mean, I, I felt guilty for taking it. <laughs> you looked over your shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> Said, oh, we're giving them out. <laughs> you guys better watch it. <laughs> There's some people in this county that'll have your head. <laughs> you giving away bags. Wow. So anyway. That's been my Hagen experience. But yeah, there's a lot of people that have lost jobs. And that I think is the most that that's the the most devastating component of it because I just heard about the closure and figured they had to have known that they were gonna acquire these stores and close one. I can't imagine that no. this was just I really don't after think so. From they, what I'm seeing, I think the problem is they didn't quite make the splash in the community that they thought they would. And I really, I mean, Hagen has... Well, what a botched purchase then. You don't, and by the way, you don't, 
plop a grocery store into Los Osos to close it. Well, those great big signs and all that money that they spent in there, it just couldn't have been the plan. I think really what happened was the sales just don't support it. And then once the once you really start struggling, you got to lay off staff. And I, it was such a big acquisition for them. I, does your story say how many stores it was that were acquired no. most recently? No, I no. I, I didn't know that. I guess I kind of thought it was still just the... I was just thinking about the four local stores, but I'm sure there were more no, I think in the it's, purchase. I forget. It's it's in the... I want to say in the 20s or 40s, maybe, of stores mm. they bought, and then they've just been struggling. And so they've been laying people off. They've been... you know, And then what? <laughs> if you're not selling enough of the stuff, then it starts to expire. A lot of that, too... Um, from what I understand, Hagen still owes like Albertsons, for example, for inventory. It's like part of the takeover is that there's inventory in there to be sold. So, you know, I, I really actually think the thing is unfortunate and, and you're right. It would be great if a, if a company like Spencer's was able to, to open up a store, um, or stores around here, but Los Elsos is gonna go unserved for a little while at least in that location i was i guess the uh which one switched the ralph's or the vaughn's the vaughn's yeah so they'll be down just to ralph's Ralph's. yeah yeah this is what it is i saw on the facebook comments last night i was kind of reading through that stuff and somebody piped in some more sage words man um go spend your money at a farmer's market if you don't go to that grocery store, they probably won't miss you. But if you go to the farmer's market, you might just save somebody's farm. Yeah. <laughs> Help somebody make their rent and make it one more week. Um, and the farmer's market, for those of you that don't know, um, by the way, you don't have to go to the Thursday downtown one in slow. That one's a little overwhelming. You got to be up for like a trip to the... I don't even know if that's the best one to actually buy produce. I'll they have great produce there. They do, but but you gotta endure the crowds and you know the closures and everything that goes on around there. When's the Los Osos one? Do you remember? I believe it's on Saturday mornings. It's been a while. We've been out of Osos for a few years. There's a killer one on Thursday afternoon in Morro Bay. Yeah, at Spencer's. They're all around the county. That's yeah. point. Every Templeton has a day. great one. You Every can always day, find yourself. Market. And and if you're on a budget too, most of the time the items that we buy at the farmers market are much cheaper than the grocery store. So I'm not that I'm like employed by Spencer's or anything, but one more plug. <laughs> um, they buy. Can you, can a you lot get of us their... some Spencer payment for all this advertising here that Dan's going to do? Some free swag. <laughs> yeah. I like... get you get your free bag half off a T bone. <laughs> I really like going there because they get a lot of their produce from the local the local farmers. Most yeah. of the produce that I buy at Spencer's is a locally grown product. Well, and that's one of the unfortunate things about Hagen too, though, is that that was kind of their goal. I mean, that store's reputation is for having some local foods that sort of splits the difference between a high-end grocery store and one of your like whole foods type of stores that is supposed to be for, you know, as much as you can in that big corporate environment, but to be a little bit more high-end boutique organic you know, local stuff. And I mean, I wonder how many of them are going to make it around here, especially now that there's like blood in the water. 
you know, once you yeah. start hearing about it and then you start hearing about the layoffs and, you know, th- that's just not popular. When you come into town, buy a business, lay a bunch of people off and then close one of them. Um, so then I think you get sort of people just boycotting in general. I wonder how deep this is going to go. Um, and then I hope that somehow or other they could unwind it, maybe get some of those people back their jobs that, you know, if you had a few years away from retirement or something and they've this acquisition, they probably made you all these assurances that you'd, you'd make it or whatever. But then if the store closes, that's, that's just a problem. Yeah. That's a bummer. I saw McDonald's is also going to be closing some stores. Yeah. McDonald's is hurting. Where are you going to get your McRib? (laughs) Have you ever had a McRib? No. I knew you hadn't. No. Nor have I. (laughs) That's a rib without a bone, right? Um, Yes. I think think they grow it maybe in some kind of – it's real meat. Uh-huh. I got in an argument with some McDonald's people. I mean, <laughs> Wait, I got to tell you. The McDonald's people were arguing that it wasn't real meat? No, I was arguing. There's no way. <laughs> there's no way that's meat. You just, I make ribs and there's not. Yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. That ain't meat. There's a key uh, it com- is, though. There's a key component to a rib. There's some... it, it's the rib. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the... That bone part. <laughs> no, they said it, it's got its meat. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> from what and how it's treated and what that forming and recongealing process yeah. is. But, I mean, spam is meat, right? Yeah. Yeah, look, no, see. they press it into oh, like wow. a... See it the bones? It looks like there's a bone in there. Those are just edible bones. Wow, that I is weird. I always think there must be some like people that grew up eating that that finally get some real ribs and then need a dentist. <laughs> 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 just take a bite right out of the middle. Oh, my God. Snap. Oh, that was a... No, that's a real rib, son. You can't... You can't eat that like that. My dad used to have this stuff in his canned good collection. My dad is big on canned goods. Oh, yeah. Um, you should have seen my grandmother's garage. I mean, if there was a nuclear holocaust or something, you just go to her garage. You'll be safe for a year or two. Um, my dad grew up in that environment and adopted those practices. And one of the the cans that I think lasted my entire childhood in the in the pantry was... Spam. Lots of spam, but we actually ate that. It Uh was potted Potted meat food product. Yeah. I didn't even know what the heck that was. Picture Vienna sausages, but ground up. Yeah. That's not okay. That's potted meat. I'm not okay with that. Yeah. Encased in that gelatinous preserve thing. Yeah. It was gross. So I think you're supposed to... Salty as all hell. (laughs) I think you're supposed to do that when like... Your horse is lazy, <laughs> and nobody else has like got a horse in your town. So when the opportunity comes for some meat, you're just gonna have to get what you can get. But nowadays, where you know Amazon Prime, man, you can get yourself like a, you can get a porterhouse delivered to your house tomorrow. <laughs> we don't need that potted meat anymore. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, my grandma did things like that, too, and then had, like, evaporated milk and things that just really confused me, and still, I I kind of, like, when it comes in a can, I, I just kind of look at it like, hmm, what's yeah. going on here? Um, same way I look at We ate a lot of canned vegetables <laughs> growing up, canned peas and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and I don't like that. That's not even like peas, that's... Yeah. Little mush packets of salt. Bizarro. 
hey, well, we really talked a lot about uh, real estate and mortgage and stuff this first 20 minutes. Um, it's time to do the first commercial break. We'll gather ourselves now and get all of our, our stuff. I suppose the Hagen talk was related. Yeah, That's local economy. Related, sure. Local economy, yeah. Feels like a stretch now that we're talking about potted meat, but hey. Uh, we'll do this quick break, and we'll be back in just a minute with more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Our loans are not trucked in from some big bank. They're raised right here on the Central Coast. No hormones, no GMOs, no antibiotics. Call today and get your gluten-free mortgage from a caring lender that knows you only accept the best for your family. Just call Central Coast Lending. Just call Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 01839608. NMLS number 328358. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA NSIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to Spam Matters. No, that's not <laughs> spam. We did we, talk a lot about spam in the break, though. Yeah. We're going to not talk about it on the show what? anymore. Anymore. What if this caller is calling to tip <laughs> us off to, like... It's possible. A, a secret family potted meat recipe. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know what to do with potted meat. Put, on, put it on a cracker. Evidently, I'd put it on a saltine. <laughs> just get after it. Oh, boy. <laughs> Says my friend in the United Kingdom shirt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got a caller on the line. Who knows what this is going to be? We've got Richard. Richard, how you doing? 
Uh, I'm Richard and Toscadero. Um, yeah, I don't have much to add to, to Mortgage Matters, but um, I turn on the radio, and um, it's, just, it's pretty hilarious. Uh, the potted meat and the, that whole yeah. thing. And, uh, yeah. Um, I, maybe keep it the potted meat and the Higgins, and, uh, you know, that that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, thanks. We try to entertain, if not be educational. Uh, that's awesome, man. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the call. <laughs> Just this morning when I was driving into the show, I was thinking to myself, um, what we do is so serious every Uh day. It's so serious. And seldom do you want your mortgage professional to be like funny or lighthearted, you know? This is serious business. And so what got me thinking about this is that there's these various places around the county now that are doing like comedy. Um, I... Uh, just so you guys know, when I was a kid, I wasn't the best student. And I'm talking like grade school age. By the time I hit college, I was the best student. But in grade school age, I was I was asked to leave the classroom more than once. I know you're shocked. Um, described as spirited. Uh, usually my report card had something in it like uh, catalyst. And these are teacher's way. By Those are teacher words, by the way, for saying class clown. Um, then at some point, they finally just start using that word. So... I've always grown up receiving the feedback that I can be funny, um, and I've, I've always wondered, just wondered, did I miss my calling? Could I really go out there, and, and if I purposefully tried to just go make people laugh, could I do it? Um, and I, I'll never know. I'll never do it. There's no way I would. So this is it. This is our <laughs> this is our forum for comedy. <laughs> yeah. Every now and again, we're just going to get a little silly. And uh, hopefully it's not a direct representation of how your loan experience will go. <laughs> uh, we don't usually involve spam, potted meat, or any of those kind of things with a mortgage. <laughs> it just somehow gets loosely tied in on this show. Um, hey, so... Huh. So much this week in the markets that, um, yeah. There's, there's speaking just, of jobs. Speaking of jobs. Because <laughs> that's what we were um, talking about. No, well, let's take it. Let's take it first in here on the on the lighthearted angle. Did you see that uh, Manhattan was recently overtaken by one of our own California cities as the uh, most expensive median home price? Hmm. Somewhere in the Bay Area. Yeah, they just called it San Francisco. Oh. but yeah, San Francisco's median home price now tops Manhattan by two hundred thirty thousand. Hmm. It must be major metros because I can think of some other smaller towns in the Bay Area that are more expensive. Yeah, yeah. I was like up, a Tiburon or yeah, you know, some Sausalito of those... Mansion over the water or yeah. something. There's some place. Yeah, individual properties probably are little, little tiny little zip codes. But just looking at the the bigger uh, metropolitan area. Um, and also, what sem- was the median home price? Oh man, you're gonna start me with a quiz. Did you? Yeah, um, didn't mean to stump you. Two point two million in the zip code median home price. Yeah, in zip code nine four one two three. Wow. Um, which encompasses uh, the marina and Cow Hollow. Okay. I don't know that I've ever heard of Cow Hollow. I'm a so yeah. cowboy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's very it's like expensive. the north, the the very north, like middle section of the 
little nine square miles or whatever it is. Probably pretty near the water. Since well, the one's it's called all marina. kind of near the water. <laughs> yeah, it's a peninsula. Just going on a limb here. Marina's got to be right there. Like you probably, I mean, you probably take a boat there. Yeah. Hey, let's take a quick time out. We've got another caller on the line. Gary in Grover uh, Beach. How are you today? Doing great. How are you? Okay. Uh, I looked up just, I've been watching this Hagen's thing. They they started with 18 stores. That, that was okay. their chain. They went to 146 they bought. That so, was in this most recent so purchase? That, uh, that was New York Times, uh, uh, LA Times uh, article. Uh, but that's insanity. They went yeah. from 18 stores and then bought 140. You're going to go under. Yeah, you can't. You can't expect that that kind of vertical growth without an, a bulletproof plan. You like can't. a thousand percent growth overnight. How do you survive that? I don't think you do. Uh, and I, I I think one of the people who I did is my back of my mind thought. So in the Royal Grande, uh, we have a, a Hagen's on the near Walmart up there. Uh-huh. So what would happen if uh, Walmart groceries came in like they've done in Santa Maria and took over that store? Prices would drop phenomenally in the whole community. Right. Sure. And the other factor is you've got California Fresh uh, in Pismo Beach, which is a really great higher-end uh, market with all kinds of variety of things and nice setup. Uh, I don't think they're going to expand any more than they are. They did that to get in the Pismo from uh, uh, down the road in uh, Santa Ynez. But uh, a friend of mine who's been in the grocery business just said uh, Spencer's couldn't do it. The reason they left so many stores is the margins are so fine and so small. Uh, so you've got to almost look to another chain to buy it. Um, and, yeah, yes, you're correct. Uh, I think... Uh, uh, Albertsons is going after 32 million. They were promised in the first payment, so that, it all looks like uh, uh, tomorrow. <laughs> it's not going to be a better day. It looks like tomorrow's <laughs> going to be uh, bankruptcy for the whole company because I don't see them surviving this. Wow. Unless they've got uh, unless they've got uh, all kinds of legal shields around them, but uh, they did this because of is uh, it Vons and Albertsons merged, and the FTC said. Uh, you got to sell out these stores, and these guys came up with a plan to uh, get them real quick and easy. And so you you go for the gusto, and they went for the <laughs> something else. <laughs> yeah, wow. I don't think they're going to make it. I don't think they're going to make it. I don't think there's any way they make it out of this. Appreciate the phone call. Okay, goodbye. Bye bye. Wow, that's See, I, a I bad plan. It is. Well, I mean, think about it. The opportunity prevent itself, and then what? I mean. Could you imagine if our company just all of a sudden was a thousand percent busier tomorrow? No. Or, you know, you Monday? Would, you would suffer the same fate. That would be crazy. But they had an opportunity, saw the profit, and went for it. And then, interestingly enough, isn't the consumer today? I mean, the consumer is a little bit more um, aware of options. And marketed to for options, sure. Um, especially around here, where um, and I don't know. I I wrestle with this idea. Is it just my social group that seems acutely aware of organics and GMOs and all these kinds of things, but also um, 
wants value and to understand what they're they're getting and where it's coming from and feel good about where they're shopping and then here you just sort of have this overnight sensation of here all everything you knew around your county just changed you know these stores are now this new thing that you've never heard of before um and the experience now is just it's different enough it's more expensive and and then there's no real ripcord. What do they do? What are they supposed to do? It was just, I mean, it's unfortunate. Like I said, for me, I I could care less that some corporation swung the bat and missed. The problem here is that there's a lot of people that lost jobs. Yeah, that's the unfortunate. And you say, part. so what? Another grocery store is going to open up in there and those jobs are going to be back? Um, no. There was a lot of people that were vested in retirement programs at those jobs that had, you know, like it or not, some union wages. There was some significant head of household jobs shed because of this change. And that isn't something where you just change the shingle out front and go right back the other way. Like Gary said, that merger between Albertsons and Vaughn's where the FTC wants to block what the monopoly is and says, yeah, you're allowed to come together, but now you got to shed these stores. And that's how Hagen swooped in. In one respect, they, maybe they realized they weren't ready for it, but didn't want to see those stores, you know, fall apart or go to something else and thought they could pull it off. And now, boy, they're sorely mistaken. Um, I, I worry that, that that whole brand is going to be into bankruptcy protection sometime soon. We've got uh, Patrick in Morro Bay. Good morning, fellas. How you doing? Doing great. great. How about you? I'm fine. I have a question for you. And uh, I was wondering if you could uh, make the connection, if there is one. Uh, when we had the housing crisis, I noticed that what could have been done would be just a simple tinkering with what people were doing to create that problem. And I noticed that systematically through the years that everything has been done to literally go overboard and pretty much dismantle the our economic work engine. And I've noticed that making the connection to Spencer's, I go in there sometimes, and I, I can't afford to buy anything on their shelves. And I work all the time, and I'm going, how do these people – pay for all this money and i know they're not some of them don't even work and a lot of people are on food stamps and then i'm noticing that hagen's and albertson's and all of that occurring and the, the main ingredient in that is government interfering and i'm going is there a connection between the degrowthing of our economy and the problems that we're seeing locally and where do you see people in the future having an, an economy to actually even buy a house Man, that's there's some complex things there, uh, and I'll I'll tell you, um, we're getting some feedback from your radio there, so we're gonna go ahead and let you go, and we'll chat about that. So thanks for the call, Patrick. Um, first of all, I think the biggest problem with the housing run up here was um, no matter what, you got to just look back and say that it's related to the human condition, <laughs> right? So many people end up in this position where real estate's all the craze. People are making money hand over fist. If you don't do it, you're going to miss out. Um, and that, that moment, I mean, we just, we've been, we've been told that the human condition is that that majority of people expect what's happening today to continue happening. 
So it's not the human condition to anticipate corrections and things um, fixing themselves or needing some sort of manipulation to be fixed. So what happens is everybody just, it's a feeding frenzy. And um, in terms of how that real estate really, really got over the top out of control was that lending products came along where the the minimum debt service was so much less than what the actual carry cost of that debt would have been, right? I mean, look, Dan, if you today, if you borrow five hundred thousand um, dollars, what loan product are you likely to get? Most likely a thirty-year fixed loan. Yeah. Okay. And a rate. <laughs> a principal you know, and interest payment. Principal and interest <laughs> payment, fully amortized, as we call it. Sure. Um, yeah, and a rate around four percent today. So that payment then ends up for five hundred grand. It's somewhere in the ballpark of twenty-three, twenty-four hundred bucks, something like that. I don't know. I'm throwing out round numbers. Go back to yesteryear, two thousand six, two thousand five, two thousand four. Um, when my hairdresser was buying her fourth $500,000 house this year, um, what kind of loan was she getting? Probably a pay option arm. Yeah. A negam loan. Yeah, a negatively amortizing loan where it started out for five hundred grand, and then on the very first month, because the payment should have been twenty five hundred bucks, but she got this killer loan program where the payment was only a thousand dollars. Payment should have been twenty five hundred bucks, so her loan she sent them a thousand bucks. They tacked the other fifteen hundred onto the back of the loan, so now her loan's five hundred one thousand five hundred dollars. Heading into old month number two, that we all understand the principle of compound interest. Um, and by the way, I just want to interject right here. This is one of my favorite things about um, people that say, I could have told you that was a bunch of you know, shenanigans that were going to lead to all these problems. Yeah, you sure could have. Um, you ought to go back and watch when Greenspan gave testimony saying he had no idea this kind of loan existed. Well, so and it was he also pretty widespread. Said, yeah, he didn't know to the extent at which they, these loans existed. Right. I think there was some statistic that... 40 or more percent of mortgages were interest only or negatively were, amortizing. had some sort of risky negative feature where an yeah. alt a or a subprime mortgage loan and he had no idea that it was that great of a percentage of the total business out there so you know not only were the were the loan repayment structures very odd and and i guess you can call them predatory or you know risky um these people weren't demonstrating an ability to repay the debt on not only the the teaser payment but on a an actual you know fully amortized fully adjusted what's the worst case scenario type of repayment these people weren't qualifying for those loans so that's ultimately what what really caused the run up his question about patrick's question about you know how does the, the well, market manipulation and things like that impact today. I mean, there's been a lot of intervention, I guess, in solving these problems and creating things. It's yeah, and you know, he kind of he touched on a lot of things there, and the thing about the the public assistance programs and stuff. And I, you know, I just am not I'm not qualified to talk about that. I don't understand um, how 
how many, what percentage of the population is using that kind of thing. I really don't know. Um, but I'm with you, Patrick. I walk through the grocery store and I see a lot of things too, where I'm wondering how people afford all this. Well, stuff. you kind of touched on it earlier though. Well, one, one thing is that people are sacrificing, you know, going out to the movies or sure. spending money on a new car or something because they got to pay for the groceries. Yeah. Right. I mean, there was a, there was some news story a few weeks back that cars, the average, um, life of a car now or the average age of a car that people have in their driveways is its oldest ever. It's 11 and a half years old is the average age of a car now. So people aren't spending things that they traditionally spent on because they need to afford the necessities like groceries. Um, but you you touched on this a moment ago, Jason, that the people get more information about, you know, where can they get a deal on this or a deal on that? Or, you know, they're willing to they're they're getting you know emailed or advertised to or whatever these other options so you know like i know in my household we know that there's one store that we can get a really good price for a milk that we like and it's a couple bucks cheaper a gallon than it is at most other stores so and it happens to be on our way home from work so we get our milk from that store and it's not inconvenient because it's on the way home, but we just get that item there. But then we get produce from another store that's closer to our home because it, we find that those prices tend to be cheaper and the quality is what we like. So we just have adapted our practices to get certain products at certain places that are either better quality or a better price. Or I, I guess I'd sum it up saying it's a better value combination of price and quality well, but, at different places. Yeah, And, so and we're there's willing a, to do that. There's a few reasons why, though, that that's kind of a new model is, number one, there's market availability to you for a consumer. You can pick and choose on your convenient path home. There are multiple options available to you to meet your needs. Mm hmm that's a little bit different than like, I mean, I'll go back to the potted meat story, but that's why you don't eat potted meat. You don't have to. You have all these other options. But then additionally, like you, you start to touch into a bit about um, that part of the consumer that I'm talking about. You're aware of your options and able to to take advantage of of doing that going where you want to do and you're also value conscious whether it's value because of quality or value because of price or both that's what i mean that that's why it's difficult like for a company like hagen to just take over a store switch out the product change the prices and expect that we're just going to keep going to that same feeding trough because we don't have another option whereas like in little old los osos as the crow flies the store that uh, they took over has a competing grocer uh a quarter of a mile away i mean how far away would you say that is it's yeah it's not, not far. very far um, so that's the thing. I, and, you know, I think that really about the consumer and, and that's probably to Patrick's point, why there is some of that really expensive stuff in the grocery stores that we walk past and go, who can afford that? Um, there are people that do and they can, and it's in that store because it, you know, that they're serving all economies there. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think the broader point though, is that, well, I was going to say with respect to housing, you know, the same way that I 
look around and say, well, I'm going to do this. You know, I, I really look around and see what's available to me at different locations. I think when applying that same type of mentality to housing, there's so much information out there in today's housing economy that people, the consumer is very smart. They do a lot of research online. Whenever we have Wes in here from Patterson, he talks about that. He says when when new buyers are coming to them to look for real estate, they've already done a lot of research online and have a good idea of what's out there, have a good idea of what they want, the features and amenities they want in a home, um, the areas that they want that they can afford. And so then it's just trying to narrow down what's available in those with those different parameters in mind. Um, so you can't, you know, bring homes on the market and, and be grossly overpriced or, you know, have some inferior amenities and expect that people are, are not going to be well educated on the value of, of that product that you're offering. Um, which I think was what we see even in a really hot real estate, real estate market where well-priced homes are flying off the shelves, um, so to speak. There are some that just sit because they've been brought on and haven't really been well thought out as far as their positioning price-wise or what they can offer, things like that. Oh, yeah. I think, that, yeah, the consumers evolved and become a lot more savvy. And then, to that same end, then there's blood in the water. Because you've got a house that all the other houses are not available after seven or ten days on market. And now here's one that's been on the market for 140 days. Well, I'm, if the whole market's passed that up, I don't want to look at it. I, I don't want to be the one that, you know, maybe I don't see it or I haven't heard the story. Is that where, you know, some school bus full of puppies was murdered or something? <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to be a part of that making the bad decision because I'm just not in the know. And then and then all of a sudden your property is sort of stigmatized by even something unknown other than the fact that it's just been on the market for a minute. Um, that So, yeah, same thing like with Hagen. Well, popular sentiment is that screw that place. They came in and, you know, they ruined my friend Mandy's dad's life when he was the butcher. And now he's, you know, out trying to do whatever else for money that I don't want to shop there. My mom was up visiting this week, and um, Hagen is very close to our our house in Tascadero, and Vaughn's is, you know, a very inconvenient, like a third of a mile away. <laughs> and so <laughs> uh, my mom, like, zipped up to pick up a few things, right, get some veggies and milk and stuff, and uh, she came back um, with Hagen groceries, and we're like, you didn't. You shopped there. Come on, mom. Haven't you been reading the paper? She's like, I had no idea. But, you know, my I heard, though, um, in Carlsbad, my little brother um, lives there, and he said their Albertsons turned into a Hagen. It's the same thing. They're now driving around the lagoon to get over to one of the other stores <laughs> that isn't Hagen because wow. it's expensive, and nobody's happy about it. Wow. So I'm like, huh, it's not just here in Slow County. Interesting. It's uh, everywhere. All right, this has been an action-packed first half of the show. I see we've got another caller, so as soon as we get back from this commercial break, we'll pick up that uh, that call, and we'll have more Mortgage Matters for you. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. 
Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. I see you at our kids' Little League games, I bump into you at the grocery store, and it's always fun when we pass each other at Farmer's Market. I'm not a national bank or a faceless website. I'm a local lender, accountable, competitive, and ready to help. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending. <coughs> All right, guys, welcome back. Man, it's already August 15th. That's crazy. We're like halfway through the month now. The old Ides of August. School starts next week in my house, yeah. so we're doing, trying to get everybody back to going to sleep at a reasonable hour. Our commercial break scared off the last caller, so. Oh. You, know, you don't have to be scared. If you want to call, you can. 543-8830. Don't be scared. 543-8830. We're uh, we're having a good good first half of the show. Who knew grocery stores would would really spark the debate, huh? Spark the conversation. Well, I mean, everybody cares about groceries, don't That's they? That's true. Yeah. And McRibs. <laughs> and McRibs. <laughs> oh, I was trying to think back this week to the you know activity around the office, and and a lot of it um, again is um, I got a few harp phone calls this week really i was just talking about that with you how i feel like that i haven't seen one of those loans for Forever. a year or more yeah so the the harp loans today though um i guess the san francisco chronicle wrote an article about harp loans and now there's it's starting to get a little bit of media press again and um you hmm. know plus there's been really cleverly marketed um so yeah, harp loans, construction loans, people are calling about. So we can wrap a little bit more about that. Let's do a phone call. Yeah, we've got Marie in Los Osos. Hi, I, I didn't get scared off. I just got disconnected. Oh, <laughs> oh sure. sorry okay. about that. Uh, yeah, no, I had a question. You know about this Haggins going out of business, and I I am a I own a small business in um, uh, San Luis Obispo, and uh, I have a question about if everybody if we get the fifteen dollar minimum wage law passed. <laughs> Uh, how the consumers are going to react when everybody has to raise their their weight their their prices um, for that? And I know isn't Haggins from the Northwest, like Seattle, where those where those yeah, yeah. laws are in place? I didn't know if that had anything to do with that. Um, Maybe you know we all like to pay our our good employees that that minimum wage, uh, but the, but the reality is we would all go out of business if we didn't raise our prices as well. And I just wondered what what the consumers how the reaction would be with that you know and and um, that's a good discussion to have and i'll let you guys discuss that and take that off the air because i gotta drive to work <laughs> okay yeah, thanks thank for you. the phone yeah, call Marie. hey I gotta do, do us all a favor and pay yourself more when you get there okay 
Uh, okay. <laughs> I'd love to do that, too. Well, just raise the prices of the consumer, right? Uh, I hate to do that, because no one would come. Uh, and, you know, it's a consignment store. So, you know, we like to keep our prices low and keep our quality high. Yeah. So, you Thanks know? for the call. Appreciate so, it. And you're welcome. Bye. Am I am I allowed to talk about um, minimum wage again? You've done it a few times, but I mean, if 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 there were a fifteen dollar minimum wage, and every, you know, I I don't claim to know what every job is paid at every store in the county, but I think you'd everyone would be on an even playing field, right? But when you have one in within the grocery world, when you have one store yeah. where their prices are not in line with the rest, but maybe the the types of products are there there's going to be some less shoppers there couldn't agree with you more but if everybody's got you know the similar prices on similar products then it's an even playing field i mean at at some point the consumer's just going to have to deal with that if that's the way it goes yeah i mean i i can always do this argument um from any side I, it's one worth having. I love it. It's a, it's a fun one and you can get people excited pretty quick. Uh, I think probably our record amount of phone calls we've ever gotten on this show was on like minimum wage discussion day, but I'll tell you, I read an article recently in Forbes that was discussing the quality of goods and services as provided by people making more than the mandated minimum wage, right? So these companies that are electively choosing to pay more. Uh, Walmart, for example, has already made an assurance that I think it's... They're bumped up to $10 an hour. Yeah, but they've got a, a, a sort of long-term plan. Yeah, where they're gonna by keep... like 2020, they're going to be at 15 Yeah, and um, people say, well, it's just going to lead to higher prices at Walmart. And yeah, that's probably true. However, the thing that's going to counteract that, and this is an argument that you'll be proud of me at the end of this little piece right here, Dan. The thing that counteracts that, though, is, um, as you well know, in a business... Um, much of the cost to personnel is in training, training and replacement and, you know, having those employees that aren't doing that good of a job because they're not motivated or whatever, because they're hungry, because they can't eat because they're paying their rent instead. Um, those, those, some of those issues are then sort of taken care of by having employees that are paid better so they care more about their job it's more worth protecting now i think some of the examples that we're making in this kind of thing like the in this almost particularly about walmart is that's about that company that's attempting to to go above and beyond where the minimum requirements are um, I take issue with the minimum requirements just blanketly being raised as a whole on account of then doesn't that just become the new norm? And if you don't believe me, let's talk about, you know, let's find somebody in the room that had a job 30 years ago and what was minimum wage then? And what is minimum wage today? And is it with today's higher wages is living all that much easier? And the answer is no, it kind of stays relative. And that's one of the things about capitalism and stuff is that as the cost of living changes, really so do the goods because the people bringing them to market are ultimately, that's their cost to deliver. Um, so I feel like it gets a little bit diluted when it's just mandated across the board. Yeah. We only... and, yeah. And then the other <laughs> thing I want to say too, is I tie this back to potted meat. Um, 
we had potted meat because you had a lazy horse or something. You couldn't get out of your town to go find other things. Today, so I think it was the government's place then to make a minimum wage in a city where generations worked for the same factory with no other opportunity and the conditions were oppressive and terrible for the employees. Today, there's a benefit of the open market where, as an employee, you can work for the company that is willing to pay you more or put you in a safer condition or provide you more fringe benefits and those kind of things. So I, I, I wish we had more time to pass talk about it. We have another hour. Yeah, there we go. Lucky us. We have an hour to go, guys. Stick around after this break. We got more to come on Mortgage Matters. Each way. All right, guys. Welcome back. We got the... Uh, we had the phone lines really doing good for the first half, talking about groceries, and then a little bit about unemployment, or not unemployment, um, potted meat. minimum wage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there was that, some potted meat. Yeah, yeah, the analogy there. Uh, yeah. So I don't necessarily want to get way down yeah. the minimum wage rabbit hole. Um, it's one of those things where... You know what I think is going to happen? Just, yeah, because we don't... I agree. There's other things to talk about. But the speed at which government works, by the time they figure it all out, what they you, you know, what they're more. gonna mandate, already you're gonna see employers offering higher paying jobs because that's what it's gonna take to attract a good employer. I'm thinking of my wife's business out on industrial way and slow manufacturing shop and I'll give them a little plug synergy. They make uh parts for off roading vehicles. Uh -huh. Really cool company. Um, they need manufacturers. They're growing. They're a growing company. They need more people who have those skills. They were offering jobs at, I, I don't even know, some hourly wage, probably a right at, or maybe, a, I think it's right around 15 bucks an hour. No one applied. Huh. So what'd they do? They had to offer more money to get Imagine people to apply. That. <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of where we're going, where we've been talking about the employment situation. Um, well, this is the problem that I have with it, by the way, because because let's just say that we have. Um, I don't know. Let's say we have a restaurant. I have one and you have one. And I'm going to pay my people more. Um, I'm probably going to have to charge a little bit more. But in the end, my. Um, my product is going to be superior. You're to probably going to have the the wait staff that knows the wines and yeah. knows the food and can really they can recommend things they're and they're really good at their job. On their own they're getting their sommelier certifications and stuff. Yeah, that that's a different whole different environment than just the guy that has a cafe right mm -hmm. that i just i need to pay a minimum wage and then this dude's gonna slop up some eggs and then you're gonna make a tip for a bad cup of coffee that that's a different business model and i like that our country allows the business owner but more importantly the market to dictate what model do you support because you know what sometimes you need or want to go to a five dollar breakfast and sometimes you need or want to go to a eighteen dollar breakfast those are those differences are afforded to us because the business model is allowed to decide where in the market they serve and when everybody has to pay the the bus boy 
26 bucks an hour or whatever it's going to be because it's never enough, right? I mean, I say that more wanting to, to criticize government. No matter how much taxes we pay, no matter what we do, it's never enough. There'll always be a need for more this, you know, because priorities are different and the budget calls for different things and there's different needs. Um, it, it is, it's never enough. Um, so that being said, at some point you just have to keep going and keep going. And I personally, I realize that it, it's not even a very popular stance, but I don't like it. I don't like the minimum wage thing. I think, yeah, there's a, there's just a, a place in the economy where go put your sign out front. If you want to hire people to charm snakes for a dollar an hour, if somebody shows up willing to work for you, that's a statement of the economy. There are people that for a buck an hour are going to come play with cobra snakes and pop, probably die. That's just a – that exists because of the economy – if if you could go charm snakes today for 250 bucks an hour, would you do it? I might give it a shot. You might give it a shot. So it has so let that just find the equilibrium. What's it gonna take for you to 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 feel comfortable going and doing that? And I think the other thing is not every job needs to be a head of household job. I know we're there's a there's a little bit of a problem right now in our recovery of finding of, of providing head of household jobs, but not every job needs to be a head of household job you know flipping burgers or whatever you know doing some some menial little task a lot of times i mean i remember growing up in a high school i didn't need to make 15 bucks an hour at 16 years old you know i needed like 100 bucks or not even that would have been a ton of money for me then i need 20 bucks to like have a little gas in the car and be able to go you know hang out at the bowling alley with my friends sure. or something that's that's all you know, there's those jobs are fine for people, and they, I don't know. So, anyways, let's uh, let's go a different direction. Be done with that. Yeah. Speaking of jobs, I mean, we've been trying to talk about jobs this whole show. Um, <laughs> we have you, been talking about. <laughs> did well, you that know, and potted me? Did you know that the um, the four week average of jobless claims hit a 15 year low? Yes, I did know that, and I was pretty impressed by that um i started talking a few months ago about how we had really been to the pre-recession norm of initial jobless claims um and that is pretty fascinating to think about now we're like at the pre-boom of jobless claims right so we're just poised right now for just some great economic things, right? Yeah, and there's actually some talk now. We had some retail sales readings this um, this past week. Retail sales were up, uh, excuse me, they were up 0.6% in July. May and June sales figures were revised higher. Um, vehicle sales, which I just talked about, vehicles are the the oldest that they've been at a, about average of about 11 and a half years old. Um, vehicle sales were up a percent and a half or right, right around there. Um, retail sales are looking very good and restaurants, one component of retail sales, restaurant, um, activity was up 0.7% following a similar gain in June. So a lot of, a lot of good numbers in consumer spending, consumer sentiment is staying pretty strong. These are all good factors when we start to think about overall GDP. 
Oh, I thought you were going to say just we got to tie it into the uh, rate hikes that are coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so then so then that leads to speculation that rate hikes might be coming sooner than later. But boy, don't you want to see a little more momentum in this spending? We've been we've been hoping for the consumer to really start to um, embrace this recovery. They're they're getting they're getting jobs the job quality is slowly starting to improve as as we get closer to um to a fuller employment situation with with unemployment rate at you know right around five percent um yeah now we want to see them start to spend that discretionary income yeah and i think the reality here though is that it's that um (laughs) is that bad i want to say trickle down but i know there's a negative connotation there for some but what i really wanted to say is that it takes policy so long to affect a change and this i this is by the way this is why the feds meet basically every month i know it's not every month it's like 10 times a year um but these little trim tab adjustments are going to change the course of the economy in a big broad way um and that's why i think little headlines like this where you you learn about that um producer price index and retail sales and these kind of things looking good that you got to worry that the fed are going to say okay now it's okay to to push that lever because in, in that trickle down sense pushing interest rates up by a quarter of a percent um oh man this guy doesn't fall overnight what it's like it's essentially nominal i mean look what what's going to happen overnight if interest rates go up by a quarter of a percent? That that Fed overnight rate. I I personally believe it's already been factored in. Yeah, well, if you'll you're, see a slight increase. If in, you're running a rates. business, you know it. Some of the larger employers, okay, like the auto manufacturers or some. I'm talking some really big companies. Companies that have big accounts receivable. They use um, credit facilities for things even um, on massive scales, but they'll use them even for payroll, okay? So if overnight your credit facility, that kind of thing goes up by a quarter of a percent, um, from one day to the next, it literally the, chain, the, the terms change then and you have a greater interest cost on that facility, um, you're going to pay a little bit more for it. And that ultimately means that you're going to learn how to to lean out in some other area, right? Reduce some spending, get a little bit more efficient at something. Um, you might have to even lay some people off. That's a part of it. Um, the other thing is you might raise the cost of the consumer. That's another way of handling it. And depending on your company and your mode, you might end up employing some um combination of all those things right lay off a person raise the rate ever so slightly change this or change that just enough tweaks to cover it and um, but all in all that's not a huge movement um i was looking back at uh when rates changed quite a bit in that last period from june of 2004 to june of 2006 the fed reserve raised rates one quarter automatically every single meeting back to back to back to back to back the whole way through um that has an effect on the economy in fact look what it did that happened in june of 2004 through june of 2006 if you want to start talking about an area in time where we sort of 
could see maybe a direct result of something. That's where we just, the feds just got on auto increase because inflation was going nuts. Houses were going through the roof. Wages were going through the roof. Everybody was getting credit. Things were just getting so expensive. The feds just kept going, okay, well, we'll charge more. We'll slow it down by raising rates. We'll charge more. We'll charge more. We'll charge more. It never actually had great effect until it ultimately the whole thing popped. Um, so in this case, I, I see the the first incremental raising as not that big of a deal. Like you said, it's probably already priced in. Um, but those changes that are trying to to keep on track are things that from the first rate hike, this is six months down the road that they're looking. That kind of what does this button do type of feeling. Um, that's that's really where we're looking, not just what happens tomorrow. Let's hear from a phone call here. We've got Matt in San Luis Obispo. Good morning. Morning, Matt. Good morning, Kurt. Um, you know, I I certainly agree that most people don't really don't. It doesn't affect them a lot if there's a quarter percent increase. They don't send feel it right away. However, the investment market does. Yep. And uh, that has far-reaching consequences. Um, you know, if you raise raise interest rates a quarter of a percent, uh, even on the short for short-term money. That often translates into an increase in uh, rates for longer-term money. And the longer longer term of an investment you have, the more the existing bonds, for example, take a hit. And uh, increasing a, increasing an interest rate of even a quarter percent might uh, might uh, decrease the value value of the bonds of people who've had faith in the uh, in the government or whomever. Uh, it, it might uh, decrease the value of their investment by five or ten or fifteen or even twenty percent. Well, that takes money out of circulation, and uh, that has far-reaching consequences. So uh, it's uh, it's not just a minor matter if the Fed uh, if the Fed raises the interest rates a quarter percent. That has huge implications. Matt, are now, you my, my other side? My other side of the you know, of the comment is that I don't think that the Fed is the only uh, uh, only um, uh, entity that uh, affects the rates, and I think the market already has been has been uh, adjusting its rates even without the Fed. So the Fed is in one sense losing uh, some control over the money money supply and uh, over the money uh, ultimate uh, cost of money. Um, so those are my comments, and I appreciate you guys' show. Thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. The other thing, too, though, with rates going up at the federal level for that cost of borrowing, that overnight rate, the other thing that, that we all kind of forget about, too, though, is that um, it has an effect on your savings rate, too. I mean, it, it does. So some of these people, you know, for example, you bring up the bonds people. You, you, it's easy to make your point when you use people that have invested heavily in bonds. Um, yeah, in that increasing rate environment, those bonds people get clobbered. Um, and just to kind of help the folks at home understand that, if you buy a $1,000 bond today um, that's going to have some yield and that then tomorrow the same bond for a thousand bucks has a yield that's a quarter percent higher your thousand dollar bond from yesterday might only be worth nine hundred dollars because it's worth less interest now so if you have too much invested in that um or really even just a you know 15 percent of your portfolio might be in that you can find yourself losing some money on that because of that so and it's those longer term bonds that are more problematic. The shorter term ones are obviously a lot less volatile. Um, but 
So I just want to say it's easy to make a point if we just take that that bond folk, for example. Oh, let's but zoom if you're out in cash. Bit. Yeah, well, if you're in cash, like, for example, my grandparents, they had a bad run with the stock market more than once, okay? Um, just when they got the safety and comfort to get back into investing through a broker where they were in the stock market and in the bond market, um, then they, there was another correction in the economy where they lost a lot of money. So... My grandpa will tell you that you are nuts. You're involved in one of the biggest gambling schemes in the world if you play in the bond and stock market. And so for him, the only safe thing to do, and and I'm not trying to give investment advice, but I'm just saying there's different mindsets out there. He wants to be in cash. And now for years and years and years and years, um, that money's not grown at all. Now, thankfully, Im inflation hasn't completely clobbered him in that uh, financial position. But the fact that that money's not grown, um, when I was growing up, they said things like money doubles every so many years, right? I mean, you've heard that before. What is it? Seven years, 10 years, I don't know, something like that, 11 years, somewhere along the way. But the point is, you're supposed to be looking at that um, interest and compound interest and the way that it creates exponential growth over time. Um, we've not had any kind of a savings rate in this country for a long time. And so people that are in cash and people that are not willing to get into the bond market. By the way, we had somebody on the show, um, Dan, that Cal Poly economist was probably three years ago now. Yeah. Dr. Fisher. Yeah. He was uh, making us acutely aware of what happens to that investment in that bond investment when rates go up. He had been holding. This was a really intelligent guy. He had been holding. Uh, a hedge against the bond market um, saying that with the amount of money the feds had injected into the economy over the last several years, there's absolutely no way that we would not experience runaway inflation. Hasn't happened yet. Haven't seen it yet. Um, even with the the money getting sucked back out of the economy, I, I wouldn't, you know, we had $85 billion a month that was going on with QE3. I would suggest that since that stopped, um, those long-term interest rates have come down. The economy, yeah, housing slowed down a little bit, but I think we needed it too. It was, it was bordering scary. Um, we've done pretty well at creating jobs now. I mean, over 200,000 a month has been the average for a pretty good huck now. What, two years? Seems like it. Um, so that money coming out of the economy didn't really hurt things the way that um, the doomsdayers said it might. And so looking forward, yeah, I, I know that when the feds is obviously not a decision they take lightly. If it were, it certainly wouldn't be something that we talk about week after week on this show. Um, but you know, to every, to every, uh, push, there's a pull, I guess I'm saying there's different effects on the different market segments. And, um, and I do, I think that the economy is getting pretty close to ready for that. It is a break time. So we're going to do commercial break here. Take some time out to thank the sponsors. When we get back, we'll have more mortgage matters. 
You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Citra Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, guys, welcome back. Hey, Dan, a little bit before the break, you know, as we're talking about rates and these kind of things that um, I I brought in a piece this week that uh, I wanted to talk about, um, because first of all, um, if the feds raise interest rates tomorrow, what's going to happen immediately to the home loan rate, mortgage rate? It's probably going to go up ever so slightly. But like I said, I think most of it's already been priced in. Yeah, I'm lobbing you a, a little bit of a curveball lob here, though. The answer is nothing. Um, oh, just a definitive I know all The kind feds of don't set the mortgage rate. They so don't. They don't. So there's some market speculation. The smartest people in the room here are uh, know that these things are possible. They're coming. It might be priced in. Yeah, if the feds start pushing up rates, generally mortgage rates are going to follow that. But there's not a direct, like it's not with the Fed's raised rates by a point, you're not going to definitely experience mortgage rates going up by an entire point, right? Correct. I still not think my answer is right. Your answer is fine. It just wasn't the answer I was looking for. I, <laughs> I, thought we had a, I thought we had a deeper connection. <laughs> so what happens to um, the securitizations, basically, the mortgage-backed securities, what happens to those after the feds um, raise rates? And there's been a few times now in recent history where we can kind of have a look at this. Um, if you looked at that, uh, the first one here that's kind of notable is 94 to 95, okay? That's where the feds were in a position of increasing interest rates. Um, in in February of 94, three and a quarter was the rate. And then in February of 95, that's only 12 months, Dan. Uh, 6%. Holy cow. So in a 12-month period, you could see that they were really like just pushing in that direction. Um, mortgage-backed security issuance dropped sharply. Um, yeah, I bet. From $573 billion down to $360 billion. Um, and the shorter term debt, like 15 year loans dropped way more dramatically than the, than the 30 year loans over the same period. Um, so anyways, you could imagine, uh, the next one, similarly, June of 99 to May of 2000 just went from five to six and a half percent and issuance fell then by 469 billion, um, to 469 billion rather from 758 so still a pretty good correction just for seeing rates go up by a percent and a half we've kind of experienced correction like that already just in our rates going up a little bit absent of the fed actually increasing rates um here's an interesting one well there's been other monetary policy manipulations that have that have caused rates to mortgage rates to adjust without the fed having to adjust the fed funds rate that's right june of 2004 to june of 2006 this is the this is the one i remember yeah um you had to publish you were making rate sheets for us at the time and you had to publish 
what the rate, what the Fed rate was on the rate sheet by prime or otherwise, because it was changing so rapidly that we could we could make a miscalculation in a home loan rate if we didn't have our hand right on top of that. Um, but yeah, so June of 04 to June of 06, that rate started at one and a quarter. Um, and it finished June of 06 at five and a quarter. A 4% run up over that period, um, that two year period. Uh, and look at this during that time. And like I said earlier, that's where the Fed raised at a quarter every single meeting. The market for mortgage backed securities went from 2 trillion to 938 billion. Oh, that's really? what it cut it back. And you got to know too that because of the appreciating value of real estate during that time, that's why those numbers get a little bit bigger. Like in the 90s, this kind of touch back over this, I think it's interesting. February of 95 at the end of that cycle, um 360 billion was the annualized number for mortgage backed securities. 95 1995, 360 billion. In 2000, it was 469 billion. And then in 2005, it was 938 billion. Um, folks, we didn't double the housing stock in that period of time. What happened is the values of those went up so much that those securities got quite a bit more. Um, and I don't recall now, I'm hoping that you do, what the estimate is for this year for securitization of uh, mortgage-backed securities. I want to say it's right around a trillion, like 1.15 or something like that, 1.2 yeah. trillion. Which makes sense because it's pretty close to um, in line with what it was in June of 2005, right? Um this week, interestingly enough, the FHFA released their U.S. purchase-only house price index. So the FHFA does their house price index that's based on purchase and refinance volume. And then they also it's issue... based on appraisal data, right? Yeah. yeah. Then they also issue this one that's just purchase only. So they isolate mm. only purchases, taking that refinance data out of the market... Um, listen to this, the purchase only price index rose to a level seen, um, last seen in April of 2006. Shoosh. That's right there at the peak, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Pretty darn close to it. The national index of house prices is now just now, just this month, 1.8% higher than the peak level of May of 07. So that's where that index marked the high water mark. And we're over that today. Um, the, the index does go on to discuss how regional price indices um, are 11% higher in the West and South Central region, um, lower in the Pacific region. Uh, and in a lot of markets, home prices have not recovered to where they were. So that only means, I mean, whether or not you're a numbers guy, you got to know there are plenty of markets where it's now exceeded. If there is somewhere it's below, there are markets now that have exceeded that have that average right there at what the peak was. Um, 
kind of interesting. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and see what's going on there. There's been a, a handful of um, metrics in the last few weeks that suggest, you know, Case and Schiller, for example, say no matter which of these you look at, annualized home appreciation right now is on the low side from what I've seen, like 3.7% and on the high side as much as 5 um, But home sales are, have been relatively strong and just keep chipping away. Locally, we saw um, home prices from June to June up over ten percent in our in our San Luis Obispo County market. That's the county. Yeah, the median home price for June of twenty fifteen was five hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. It's incredible. Big I, jump. This I, I can't say that it's terribly surprising to me. You know, I I keep coming back. I know I sound like a broken record, but I keep coming back to the same thing here. It's it has to do with a lack of inventory, which isn't just the people not selling because they have a three percent thirty year fix that they can't get again because they've got a prop thirteen tax base that they can't transfer um, because they've got equity in their home again that they're happy about. You know, we know also that. Over 40% of loans originated um, through Freddie Mac in the last couple of years have been shorter terms and people paying their interest or their uh, loan balance down. There's a new mindset today of wanting to pay your house off again. You know that? <laughs> it was gone for a few years there, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. 2006, nobody had the best, interest in paying their home off. Best credit card you could ever own, right? Totally. A little ATM. <laughs> yeah. Might as well have had like an ATM with no uh, transaction fee right at your front door. Um, today, people are really trying to pay their homes off. Those people that aren't selling their homes are contributing to part of the problem. Now, you're not going to get mad at them. That's good. I'm glad you got a low rate. You got a low tax rate. You got some equity and you're happy to pay it off. We need you in this house market. Um, the other side of it here is just... Um, you know, I love making this point because I think it's a great visual, but this recession, for me, I lost my job in 2007. So we're at the eight and almost eight and a half years now. Um, eight and a half years ago, there was kids that were um, graduating from high school that are now doctors. Those people <laughs> want to buy houses and they're also part of the problem is they're creating a demand where... Um, Let's look at those last eight years. The people that I know that were really hurt the hardest um, are the contractors, the builders. Uh, my buddies that owned grading companies and plumbing companies and electrical companies, the framers and the roofers and the trenchers, these guys were all really struggling for work over the last eight years because there was really wasn't construction happening. Um, that lack of construction, I think perhaps is one of the, the biggest parts of that problem. Um, but we learn, uh, about those, um, the new construction numbers, um, we're hitting some all time highs there, uh, new home sales and new home construction are definitely gaining momentum. Uh, May data shows that existing home sales exceeded expectations and new home sales are at the fastest pace since before the recession began. Um, 
that this low inventory is now giving builders the confidence to be able to come to market with a, a freshly built home and know that they can sell it quickly for a profit. Um, it wasn't too long ago that the sticks and bricks it costs to make a house were worth more than what you could sell the house for. That was 2009. That was the lesson there. So it, this is a this is an interesting thing where we're just learning that. Um, we definitely have a shortage. This is what's pushing the prices up, and there really isn't any end in sight. We still cannot see where the end to that is. Um, and many folks are now even beginning to suggest that it actually is going to is going to continue this path independent of interest rates. Um, it just is. If rates go up by a half or a quarter percent, you're still going to be competing with several other people to buy that house for sale in that neighborhood you like because there just aren't other options. Um, next week on our website on centralcoastlending.com, we're going to be publishing a second quarter update to our Slow County real estate um, statistics that we that we review quarterly. Um, so it will be covering the first half of 2015 and how it compares to last year. Um, we have we, we look at statistics like the median home price, the price per square foot, and um, and days on market. And we break it down. We look at it by the county, and then we break it down to individual cities. And then we also look at it regionally, um, dividing the county into I believe five different areas. So that we're going to publish that on our website next week. If you're really into that kind of um, that kind of data and 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 looking at that how the real estate market's performing locally or in your in your little micro market, um, check out the website next week, um, and, and that should be published, I believe, on Monday. Yeah. Oh man, it's now that time for the last commercial break. Um, and so let's go ahead and get that out of the way. And we'll have a good little 20-minute run here to the end of the show. So stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. 
This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. As mortgage experts, we can help you refinance your home or investment property. We can lower your rate, shorten your term, or get rid of your mortgage insurance. Don't miss the opportunity to improve your financial situation. Call Central Coast Lending today. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right, guys, welcome back. Oh, it was near the top of the hour that um, I was wanting to. Uh, oh, you know what, Dan? I don't want to dominate you. Do you have Do you have anything that you just need to get in before I just <laughs> before you soak up the next seven? Before minutes? I get to leave, before you go off on a rant. <laughs> yeah, you, you can go now. <laughs> wow. No, but you know, I tell I, me you're not going to talk more about. McRibs and no, no, no potted meat. Not at all. Does that mean you're good? You deferring? I was just, you know, in the <laughs> spirit, in the spirit of back to school, because when are your kids going back to school? Wednesday. Oh, just next week. Weird, huh? Yeesh. Wow, it happened so fast. Don't you remember? Don't didn't you remember summers being longer? I thought like, they were longer, but then when I I went to school in Big Bear and in the middle of uh, I think I was in eighth grade, so I've considered that kind of like the middle of that school. Uh, they they switched to year round school, like you had to do it. Yeah, dude. Like the whole school, we didn't get summer off anymore. We got like a you just got longer winter break. And exactly, a long, yeah. we got like a two or three week spring break. I never and a had two to do or that. Three week. I it really valued my summer vacation. Yeah, it was a it was a big deal. I really liked it. Me too. That was when I could like open and stretch a new business. I that was <laughs> in the summertime. That was where I had like two or three months straight where I could organize and get some kind of a product or service to market. So I was pretty bummed when that went away. We're talking about when you were a kid, right? Yeah. Okay. You didn't have businesses when you no, were like... No, man. No. What were you doing? Riding my bike. Oh. Playing wiffle ball in the driveway. I did some of that too. Yeah. Shooting some hoops. I was outside enjoying the sunshine. I cooped up in a in a classroom learning something. When I was a kid, one of, how to throw one of my curve. first businesses was um, every kid that had a red wagon was inv invited to be in this business that I had where uh, essentially what happened was I got all of the recycling material together and then took it down to the recycling place to sell it and was made aware of their rates. And so then in my recycling club, if you had a red wagon, um, you were invited to help recycle. And then at my house, for your convenience, I purchased your uh, recycling oh, then and oh, there. look at that. For a little bit of a lower rate. Well, naturally. And then you go. And the reason, like the, yeah. And the reason you had to have a red wagon was I couldn't possibly bring you to sell them. 
right? So you would leave your wagon with me where I could hook like a wagon train up. It was like two and a half blocks down to the recycling center where I could, I could roll like six wagons tied together and then offload my sail uh, and tow the wagons back. And then everybody picked up their wagon and uh, was paid. These other kids just wouldn't walk the two and a half blocks? Get Damn. the max prey? This was one of the first most valuable life lessons I ever learned was that uh, sadly this world is full of many people that would take a discount to not walk two blocks hmm. or just not have the wherewithal to go <laughs> investigate other options. Right. Just, <laughs> they, they just took the first buyer willing to pay. Hmm. So, well, yeah. So you didn't do that kind of thing? I, I recycled my own <laughs> stuff. I didn't have others. No, I, d I didn't. You must have, have gotten like an allowance or something, though. We didn't have. In my I house, got, if you needed some money, you better figure out how to earn it. I don't remember getting an allowance. I remember getting compensated for doing things like yard work. We talked my dad into that of um, yard work, dishes, things like that, that like, you know, if we did that, he would pay us. So he did. He put us on allowance. And that was the worst month of my life because our rent. Our pro rata share of the rent was so much more than the allowance that then <laughs> I still am paying off my I, dad to this day. I had to go to I then I had to go to work with him on the weekends for like the next month to pay back the part and then after that oh he was like, God. Tell you what, I won't charge you for the rent, nor will I pay you for doing your fair share around the house. And I was like, Deal. Felt like a raise, huh? Dude, deal. I, rent was way more than what the wow. long on mowing paid wow so did you know that americans in this back to school shopping season that they're going to spend 68 billion dollars are they though that's according to the national retail federation that's an average of 630 dollars per family can i tell you why i for school that. kids for school age children the the K through 12, or $900 for families with college-bound students. Yeah. You know what's different today, though? Hmm. And this is why I think some of the retail sales numbers and things at times sort of fall on their face a little bit. Um, Craigslist and things like this make a resale market so much more accessible than it used to be. Um, and my wife and her friends are on these sites. Like One of them is called... Like, north county buy sell trade i think is what it's called but these it's on facebook so you go get your kids like used pencils and erasers no but um for example this week though they while i was at work they cleaned out the um like go through the kids closet and dressers to see if their clothes still fit them and what needs to be thrown out and sort of make a list of what needs to be purchased and everything. Um, so many of the clothes just are fine, but don't fit anymore. Mm -hmm. And there's a full blown market for selling those clothes that. on like Facebook. And, you know, so some of them are funny. It's like a Leonard Skinner shirt. And I don't know how many 10 year olds are running around wearing that. Mine were, um, but uh, yeah, they, they sell shoes and cleats and backpacks and things all amongst each other that um, really greatly reduce what needs to be gone out and paid full pop for at the store. Hmm. Um, so I wonder if we're going to see some more lackluster numbers in that regard. Because haven't the 
the holidays and these kind of it's been um and dads and grads was a bummer this year this the money wasn't spent and they said it was because it got broken up for a weekend it usually falls on the same saturday or something father's day and graduation yeah, but this, day i know locally it wasn't father's day weekend yeah so I just I wonder if there's just kind of a shift in in again kind of going back to how we first started the show today. The consumer has choices and an ability to to do something that's a little bit less predictable now. That's to, true. To stop at one store for milk, drop off a bag of used shirts to somebody for Facebook and pick up a used backpack on the way, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. A little bit different now. I took too much time now. There's, is that it? That the whole thing? $68 billion? $68 billion. That's a pretty good chunk. On Tuesday, we have open house at the boys' school where then they give you the list of school supplies. I don't get that. I've heard about this, but I just I don't understand yet. I remember you bought some new clothes and you bought some pencils and erasers Did and binders and notebooks and that was you went to school with your backpack kids like you had like a compass and a protractor and the big cool erasers and stuff no who didn't have that <laughs> me some graph paper we did not no we did not we had like we had like a folder with some paper in it and a Crap pen in it yeah right i didn't have that um, I, I was always envious of that kid though that had like his own scissors in his backpack and like a mini stapler like who are you are you royalty um <laughs> it's crazy you have like post-its and white out <laughs> oh i got a three pack of glue sticks i'm like cool can i have one because we don't um but yeah they give us these lists and it's like that they're making every kid to be that kid that I that was like the envy of the classroom when I was little, um, and I always just assumed that that kid, like his dad, worked for the county and just like mopped up out of one of the the county cabinets full of goods. <laughs> um, but yeah, they want us to, like you have to buy this binder and that binder and this paper and that paper and the little composition books and then these kinds of pencils and those kinds of pens. We had to buy. Um, a marker set and then of course yeah protractors and rulers and and if you know anything about you know 8 9 10 11 12 year old boys come you can buy them the best bag and put all of that stuff in it and by the end of the year there nothing remains no they traded it for food there's a or there's <laughs> just a story about you know what happened to the uh the glue sticks like it was a three pack you got one, your brother got one, and there was a spare, and now there are none anywhere. Um, but, yeah, it's crazy. And a sanitizer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we pulled up a list here. Are you kidding me? That's about right. And you remember, like, when you used to do um, – we used to save – shoe boxes because you had that book report where you had to do your um, – Dry erase yeah. board markers. Yeah. What for what our dry erase board at home? What well, kids when they go up in front of the class have to bring their own marker? Well, dude, budget's tight. Come on. <laughs> so that's that's, pr- that's a that's this is ridiculous. probably the sixty-eight billion right here. Wow. Um, Gone are the days of just sniffing glue, right? 
Well, now the glue's non-toxic. You don't, there's no perks for even sniffing it. Now you're just some weird kid in the back with, with glue boogers. No, I'm, I'm, I was the one eating paste. I believe that. He looked like a paste eater. Uh, what's, but yeah. a, what's a tape lunchbox? I don't know. That's a lunchbox made out of tape? Yeah, out of duct tape, probably. <laughs> You've seen the duct tape wallet. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, then the other thing, so, and, you know, obviously, my house, we're not, I, I, it's not a huge economic problem for me able, for me to be able to buy this stuff, but I look and think that some of these other families, like, that's a lot when you have several kids in school and it's $100 a kid almost with all the stuff. What happens if you don't get all that stuff? Well... Then your kids like what an outcast, if you probably get socially the hand sanitizer. And I think you're okay on the sanitizer. But when everyone needs to whip out their protractor, if if Junior doesn't have one, then I, you've created a thing. So, anyways, yeah, I, I worry that that does create a hardship for some people um, because it does. It costs a lot of money, and then to boot, they tell you the day before school starts. That's not helping anybody that is struggling to afford it, be able to, you know, save for it or better yet be able to shop competitively for these things. Um, I don't know why they do that the way they do it. It's frustrating to me, but it is what it is. Hmm. So yeah, that's what that 68 billion is tape lunch boxes with water bottles. Whoosh. Back to school, though. I was thinking about that the other day, too, as we um, yesterday we went over to Costco for the like, you know, bi-monthly Costco shopping trip. And we had to buy like lunch stuff again for making, you know, the kids take a sack lunch to school. And I was thinking to myself, this is what a nerd I am. I was walking past the lunch meet going, I'll bet the lunch meet people are so excited for back to school because their lunch meat sales are going to spike. And this is like their good season. They're like, oh, thank God for late August. Finally, people will buy the turkey again, um, you know, or the the little brown lunch bags. Um, that that company just must be like hallelujah. It's, this is the haymaker month where we're going to sell out of the brown bags. Um, so, um, I you know earlier in the show I started to say about the kinds of calls we're getting for loans lately, and um, I just thought I'd like to remind you all of this: is that uh, first and foremost, um, when you guys think about loans, you should really be any kind of loan you should be thinking about us. I mean, and let me preface I, any loan real estate related. Those are the loans that we do. Um, that being said, we've got referral partners that we can send you to somebody qualified if you need a commercial loan or something like that. Um, so any kind of loan that you need, uh, and here's who's calling people that have mortgage insurance and want to get rid of it. People that believe their interest rate is too high and want a lower one. Um, people that have a 30 year loan, but would like to retire in 25 or 20 or 15 years. Um, now's the time where you shorten up your loan term and bang it out a little bit faster. Um, 
people getting married, buying homes, people getting divorced and needing to buy each other out of homes. Um, there's so many different reasons why people need loans. And really um, what we're asking for today is that if you know anybody that needs loan help, um, give, give them our name and let them know that not only do we have fantastic discussions about potted meat, uh, but we also <laughs> know our way around uh, the real estate economy pretty darn well. Um, we have we have all of the products and all of the offering and, and would love to be able to help you take advantage of that. Um, if you venture on over to our website, that's centralcoastlending.com, there you'll find all of the resources that you need to uh, familiarize yourself with the products, but also the interest rates and the process. We got tips there on credit help and things like that. Um, and I think most valuably on the site is the phone number where you can reach us. It is 543-LOAN. That one number, 543-LOAN, 543-5626, that rings all of our offices. So around the county, you'll be able to get the help in the city that you're in. Um, come see us. Let us help you uh, either plan for buying your first home, plan for buying a, a vacation home up at the lake, plan for refinancing for any of those uh, earlier mentioned reasons. Uh, just reach out to us. Let us help you out with anything loan related. Thanks so much for being with us today, guys. We do plan on being here next week for another live episode. We'll see you then.